Good morning. Wasn't that an excellent song? You know, and she sang it recently, and by popular demand, she's singing it again today, and it just touches my heart every time I hear that song. It's a fairly new song. It wasn't written that many years ago, and it's, it so speaks of Mary and what she knew. She didn't know it all at the beginning, but she believed by faith, and she treasured and pondered all the things in her heart that she saw her little baby do, and, and Jesus, when he was young, and believed and what a blessing it was. Shall we just open in a word of prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you for this song. We thank you for Mary. And we thank you for the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, born under the law, that he might redeem those who are under the law. And we just pray now that you'll quiet our hearts before you as we hear your word. We pray that your word would be spoken, Lord. It would be your voice that we hear that the Holy Spirit will nudge us and touch us and challenge us today. Please hide me, Lord, behind the cross. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, recently in the news uh, this year and also in the past few years, we've been hearing about an all-volunteer army. Our United States Army is made up of volunteers. There's no draft. When I grew up, there was a draft going on because it was right at the end of the Vietnam era. But now it's all volunteers. And Vince Aubrey can tell you about that. Trying to get people to join the service. But we've all been in the position of being a volunteer at one time in our life or another. You volunteer to do something at school or at work to take on a task or assignment. Or maybe you volunteered to work around the house. I'll do the dishes. I'll mop the floor. I'll do the laundry. And you volunteered. You know, we've all done that at one time or another. We even have a state called the Volunteer State, which is Tennessee. But I've been thinking about this this morning, that Jesus Christ was the great volunteer. He volunteered to come. He volunteered to come into this world to save us and to do the Father's will. So the title of our message this morning is, He Volunteered for the Mission. You notice when Brad was sharing at the breaking of bread, and I love that, he mentioned the word mission. And then one of the other brothers mentioned too about uh, Brother uh, Rick, about how he did the Father's will. It all ties in with the message. It's no coincidence. All these things fit together. Well, today we're going to look at the scripture, Isaiah chapter 6. So if you can turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6, we'll read verses 6 to 10, but we're going to focus on verse 8 in this chapter. Book of Isaiah, chapter 6, and verse 6. This is the story of Isaiah the prophet who had the vision of the Lord Most High. And he saw the holy God sitting on His throne. And he realized in God in all His glory and splendor. And he looked at himself and he says, Woe is me! I'm a man of unclean lips, dwelling among a people of unclean lips. And for my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. And then we take up the narrative at verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us. Then I said, Here I am, send me. 
And he said, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. May God bless the reading of his word. I'd like to call your attention to the question found in verse 8 and the answer found there as well. The question is, and this is God the Father speaking, really, is really what it is referring to. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? That's the Father's question. And then the Son answered, Here I am, send me. So may the Lord encourage us to to realize that Jesus Christ was the great volunteer. He volunteered for the mission, knowing all that it entailed, and he was willing to do it for you and for me. And I thought of three aspects of this this, that we'll look at this morning. Number one, he volunteered to be born in humility and poverty. That's number one. He volunteered to be born in humility and in poverty. Secondly, he volunteered to serve willingly. He served the Father Fully and completely. And third, he volunteered to die sacrificially. Oh, what a savior we have. Let's look, first of all, he, he volunteered to be born in humility. The words go out in heaven. The father speaks. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And the answer is found as we said. We needed a savior. All of us are sinners. We all needed to be saved. The need was there. And the time was ripe when the Father sent forth the Son into this world. It says in the Scripture, but when the fullness of time had come, He sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, that He might redeem those who were under the law. But who in heaven was qualified to come and be the Savior? There was no angel who was qualified because even the angels fell. There was no human being qualified because we're all sinners. Only the Lord Jesus Christ was qualified to come and to die for us on the cross, to be born into this world and to go all the way to Calvary. A man named C. Neil Stryat once said, Christmas, the advent is the first step of Calvary's journey. The coming of Christ to man was a journey no one had ever taken before or since. But all who can travel the road now from man to God. Wasn't that quite a trip that the Lord Jesus Christ did? He came from the glory of heaven all the way down to this sinful, sin-cursed earth because he loved us so much. He made the trip and he knew what he was going to do. Praise God for that. He left his throne in glory to come down and be born in a manger. That's amazing to me. Every Christmas, I always think of it. The God of the universe became a little tiny baby with little tiny fingers, little tiny toes, a little little one. And we have quite a few babies now. I go in on Sunday morning to give them the breaking of bread and I find three mothers with their three babies in there. And it's so wonderful to see them born. But you know, as sweet and cute as those little babies are, (laughs) they've got a sin nature. They're sinners too. They're little sinners. And they're going to grow up to be... Big sinners like us. But when Jesus was born, he was perfect. He is perfect, sinless. Not only did he never sin, but he didn't have the capacity to sin. 
And hallelujah for that. Therefore, he was qualified to be our savior. But he left it all. Can you imagine the day when Jesus left heaven to come down to this earth? And all the seraphim and all the cherubim must have folded their wings and covered their face, knowing that their master, their God, their king was going down to be born and was going to go and die on the cross. And it just must have amazed them so much. The scripture amazes us, too. In Second Corinthians 8, 9, it says, And you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes and my sake, He became poor that through his poverty, you might become rich and how rich we are in salvation today and eternal life and all the blessings that we have all because the Lord Jesus Christ was willing to become poor for us. He wasn't born into a rich family. He wasn't born into a palace. He was born in that manger. He grew up in a poor family. He worked as a, in a, as a trade, as a carpenter as he grew up. It's amazing how the Lord, the God of glory, did that. And there he was among the animals and he was born. And when Jesus was born, there were no press conferences. There were no local dignitaries. The mayor of Bethlehem didn't show up with all the city council people. No, it didn't happen. The only people that came to his birth were a few lowly shepherds and three wise men. But praise God, they had the privilege of being the first to see the newborn king. Oh, wouldn't it have been great to be alive back in that day? Or if we use our sanctified imagination, we go into the time machine and we go back to that time and we could see it for ourselves. But you know what? Even though we cannot see it, we have the eyes of faith to believe it. And we know that it did happen. And the Lord is alive today, seated at the right hand of glory on high. A man named J.I. Packer once observed the incarnation itself is an unfathomable mystery. But it makes sense of everything else that the New Testament contains. I mean, who can believe who can understand it? The incarnation, God becoming flesh. Oh, it was unbelievable, but so wonderful. A 19th century Methodist pastor by the name of Ralph Stockman once said the hinge of history is on the door of Bethlehem's stable. Isn't that amazing? The hinge of history is on the door of Bethlehem's stable. And I also like what Martin Luther had to say about it. He said, let us not flutter too high, but remain by the manger with the swathling clothes of Christ in whom dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's our Jesus. That's our Savior that we celebrate His birth. It's so fantastic. We oftentimes this time of the year sing that hymn, What Child Is This? And one of the verse says, This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, the babe, the son of Mary. That's how the Lord Jesus was so willing. He volunteered to be born and in such a lowly and humble way. Someone else said Jesus was content with a stable when he was born that we might have a mansion when we die. Isn't that amazing? He was content to be born in a stable so that we might have a mansion when we die. And he's got one with your name on it. If you're saved, if you know him as your savior, he's got it prepared for you. He's got Mike's mansion. He's got Melissa's mansion. He's got Byron's mansion. He's got one for each of us. And we're going to be able to share it with him forever. What a blessing that is. This God who we love and serve 
this Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Redeemer, did all of this for us. Turn with me over to John's Gospel, chapter 1. This is one of my favorite passages to read at this time of the year because it makes such an impression on us about how great He is and how He came into this world for us. John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. We'll read the first five verses and then the 14th verse. John 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and that's Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is the Word, and He has been existent from the beginning. He has no beginning. He has no ending. But at a point in time, He came into this world to be born for us. And we can rejoice in that. And notice down in verse 14 what He says about the Word. He says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Yes, the Lord has done all of that for us. He was willing to be born. He was willing to come all the way from heaven to save us. He even told Nicodemus when he spoke to him, he says, you must be born again. I'm not talking, he said, about a natural birth, which Nicodemus thought. He said, you must be born spiritually. And now those of us who are born spiritually will spend eternity with him. Those who are not born spiritually will not, will be apart from him in hell forever. But may the Lord encourage us, if we're not born again, today we don't leave unless we accept Him as our Lord Jesus Christ, as our Savior. And you know, when He saves us, He gives us a life to live on this earth. We're born into His family. And he says, now you go out and serve Me in this world. And whatever circumstances I allow in your life, be thankful for them and accept them. Sometimes it's difficult in life because we go through a lot of very difficult Things, suffering and pain and sorrow and loss and all these kinds of things. And the question is, are we willing to volunteer to be a servant for him and to tell others about him? Are we that kind of volunteer? Well, secondly, let's look at not only did he volunteer to be born, but he volunteered to serve the father willingly. Going back to our text in Isaiah where it says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? All the angel voices were silent. All the glorified saints' voices were silent because the only volunteer who could come was the Lord Jesus Christ. And did he know what the task involved? Did he know the mission? What was involved? Yes, he did. And he was willing to volunteer for it. You know, it's really easy to volunteer for the easy things. If somebody's got an easy thing for you to do, oh yeah, I'll do it. Sign me up. Count on me. Or if it's something in the limelight, it's a glamorous thing to do. We like to do it. But how many people like to sign up for the impossible task, the life threatening task, the things that are going to be so hard that nobody else wants to do it? You know, a lot of people will come up to you and say, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Just tell me in the church, Adel, what do you want me to do? I'll even clean the toilets, they say. And that is the kind of attitude that God's people should always have. We should have that kind of attitude. If the Lord Jesus Christ was willing to come from heaven and do all of that for us, shouldn't we be willing to do whatever menial task we need to do? Shouldn't we volunteer to do anything that the Lord asks us to do? That's the kind of volunteers He wants us to be. 
But praise God for the answer from the Son. Here I am. Send me. I love that. Here I am. Send me. In the book of Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about the Lord Jesus Christ as it were speaking. And it says, therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I come in the volume of the book to do your will, O God. That was Jesus' whole life's mission. Summarize it right there, to do the Father's will. Starting after he was born, all the way through his life, for his earthly ministry for three years, all that he did was pointing toward doing the Father's will. That's why he said to his disciples, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And then later on he could say, Father, I have finished the work you have given me to do. Yes, when you serve people, it seems like the days are never done. There's always more to do. And when our Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, he served people from the time he got up in the morning to the time he went to sleep. He arose early in the morning and they all came. The crowds came. He never turned away one single person. Person would come to him in need and he would never send them away empty. The scripture says, for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's what our Savior was willing to do. He was the great volunteer. And yet today, our society has become so selfish that we want to be served. We want to sit down in a nice, comfortable chair and let everybody serve us. Bring us the food. Bring us the the drink. Bring us this. Bring us that. The opposite is the truth of Christ. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And the primary example of that is when he got out the towel to wash his disciples' feet. That was the most menial task. That was given to a slave. That was given to the bondservant. And when our Lord Jesus did it, the disciples were so amazed that Peter says, Lord, do you wash my feet? He says, unless you are washed, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. He says, well, then wash my head and my hands. And he says, no. You are already clean, except your feet need to be washed. And praise God that He has given us that kind of a life. He says, I want you to volunteer to serve my people. And Peter did that for the rest of his life. And John and all these godly apostles, they went on to to serve. They were willing to volunteer. And that's what our Savior did. Sometimes you get tired. Sometimes you get weary, but weary yet pursuing. We continue to serve. Just like the Lord Jesus who set the example of a willingness and a sacrifice that he did for us. I think about that leper that once came to the Lord and he says, Lord, he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus didn't hesitate. He says, I'm willing to be cleansed. And he touched him. Jesus touched the leper. Did you ever think about that? how defiled those lepers were, but Jesus not. He hugged them. He touched them. He didn't care because leprosy couldn't come on him as the Son of God. And he touched people in love. And that is the amazing thing about it. You know, the Lord Jesus went the second mile for you. He went the second mile for me. He carried that extra load that we're going through. He did the extra things that nobody else would do for us. He came to die for us. And how thankful we should be that this Christmas season marks another opportunity to thank Him for His coming into this world as the greatest servant there is. You know, I work with realtors a lot on the telephone and emails and things like that. And one of these real estate agents sent me a 
an email. And at the end of the email, before her signature, it said this. It says, never look down on anyone unless you are lifting them up. And I said, wow, that's a neat saying. So I got out my reply message and I sent her a reply message. I said, I said, the Lord Jesus Christ has lifted me up and I seek to lift up others. And I sent it back. And I said, isn't that true, though? We should never look down on somebody unless you're reaching down your hand to lift them up. That's what Jesus did for us. We were down and out. We were in sin. We were in the gutter in sin. And he reached down and lifted us up and saved us. Should we not volunteer to be his servants to go out and encourage and lift up other people? Yes, he volunteered to serve the Father's will until the work was completely done before it was finished. You know, sometimes we start tasks and then we get distracted. We don't finish it. Jesus wasn't like that. He was focused. He went to Jerusalem. He set his face as a flint to go into Jerusalem knowing that he was going to die on that cross. So when the Father says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And the Lord replies, here I am. Send me. I'll go, Father. And he knew exactly what it entailed. Someone once said, the service we render for others is really the rent we pay for our room on earth. You know, they did a study about uh, those who serve in churches and they found out in 1999, they did this study, nearly one out of four adults served in the church to some capacity. That's interesting, 25%. And it stayed pretty constant through the years. They found out that evangelical Christians served in the proportion of 46%. Born-again Christians were less, 37%. Interesting. Mainline Protestant attenders, you'll like that, Bill. Mainline Protestant attenders served in the capacity 36%. Political conservatives, 34%. Those 72 or older, we don't have too many of those, but those 72 and older served 33% of the time. Protestant non-mainline attenders, that's a good one, That's quite a mouthful. 29%. Married individuals, 29%. But I'd like to see if you had a show of our hands, how many serve in this church at one time or another, and you raise your hand, I think we'd find almost every hand raised. How do we know that? Just go into the fellowship room and look when the first church started here in 1998. How many pictures of people are still here now? serving up there. Some are no longer here, but thank God that when it comes time to serve, we have volunteers. Like when we ask for volunteers, Jim asked for them volunteers, men to help, women to help with the move. We need volunteers to set up tables and chairs. We need volunteers to help out with this mission or that mission. And you know what? We get a lot of people signing up. We don't have to beg people or or ask them like that. No. And we should always have a willing spirit because that's the kind of spirit our Lord Jesus Christ had. He says, here I am. Send me. No hesitation. He did it for us. And then finally, not only did he volunteer to be born in humility and not only did he volunteer to come into this world and serve so sacrificially and willingly, but he, willing, he was willing also to die. And that's the amazing thing. Can you imagine if someone were to come to you today and said, we have a mission. Okay, what's your mission? This is a difficult mission. Okay, difficult. Okay, I'm, I'm with you. This is a dangerous mission. Okay, dangerous. That's pretty strong. Okay, dangerous. This is a deadly mission. Deadly. Ooh, deadly mission. In fact, in fact, the chance of you being killed on this mission is 100%. 
Now, if you were to tell that person, I think they would just one by one quietly walk out until you have zero people left for that mission. But that's the mission that the Lord Jesus Christ came on. It was a difficult mission. It was a dangerous mission. It was a deadly mission. And in fact, the chances of him being crucified and dying a violent death was 100%. And he knew it. And with still that great enthusiasm, he said, here am I, send me. He was willing to do that for you, Bob. He was willing to you, Brian, Wanda. He did that for us. That's how much he loved us. He volunteered, knowing what it was going to mean to be rejected. None of us like to be rejected. The Savior was rejected. He was a man of sorrows who was acquainted with grief. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was scourged. He was nailed to the cross. We saw it so vividly in that movie, The Passion of the Christ. He did that for us. And he knew before eternity and eternity passed exactly what he was going to do. And he was willing to do it. Even though in his humanity, when he was in the garden, he cried out, he said, Father, if it be possible, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And he knew in his humanity how much he was going to suffer. But he says, not my will, but thine be done. Here am I. Send me. What a mission he came on. What a volunteer that he was. To do that for us, what a love it was. Andrew McLaren said, The cross is the center of the world's history. The incarnation of Christ and crucifixion of our Lord are the pivot round which all the events of the ages revolve. The testimony of Christ was the spirit of prophecy and the growing power of Jesus is the spirit of history. Yes, he was willing to do it for us. And it's so simple the way the scripture says it in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. He laid down his life for you and for me. And I thought about that and I thought, you know, when Jesus died, he died for people that he knew were not even going to receive him. He died for his enemies and he proved his love that way. And he died for his friends, even the ones he knew were going to deny him. He died for Peter and Peter denied him three times. He died for you and he died for me. That is an incredible love. We cannot even describe it. We cannot even fathom it. But he was volunteering to come down and die. Not that there was a chance even of him not dying. He knew he was going to do it. He wanted to do it. And then you take that to the, to the extent of Hebrews that comes in. And Bill loves this verse and I love it too. Where it says, who for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. And is now sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So not only did the Savior want to do it. Not only did he desire to do the Father's will. But it says he did it with joy. Here I am. Send me. The Lord Jesus was not grudging about it. He came with a willingness because he knew it was going to save you and I. That's the kind of love he had for us. You know, sometimes we do everything in life to avoid death, don't we? We, we take our vitamins. We eat healthy. We go to the doctor. We take our flu shots. We avoid Taco Bell. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <clears throat> we do all those things to avoid death. But one day death is going to come knocking at our door. And if we're not ready, we're not, going to, we're not going to make it. And that's why we have to accept Christ so that when death does come knocking at our door, we will be ready. 
I read kind of an interesting story. It's about a fabled Baghdad merchant who lived many years ago. Now, not the Baghdad that's going on right now, but many years ago. And he had a servant and he sent him on a mission. He sent him into the marketplace on an errand. And as he was going around the corner, he met Lady Death. And Lady Death terrified him so much that he ran back to his master and he says, I'm terrified. He says, I want to get the fastest horse and get on that horse and ride towards Samara. The master said, OK, go ahead. Later that afternoon, the merchant visited the market and he too met Lady Death. And he said to her, why did you startle my servant? He asked. Lady Death answered, frankly, it was I who was startled. I couldn't understand why your servant was in Baghdad because I have an appointment with him tonight in Samara. (laughs) We can run, folks. We can run from death, but it's going to come. Only those who are born again, only those who are saved are ready and prepared. You can flee to Samara. You can flee to the to Timbuktu across the earth. You can hide in a cave, but it's going to come. And that's why the Lord Jesus Christ had to die. He had to die so that we might live and spend eternity with him. Think about that. Our Lord Jesus Christ volunteered for this task and he knew that he was going to die at the age of 33. You know, 33 is a very young age. I passed that one a long time back. I'm 49 now. 33 is back in the rear view mirror. But Jesus was in the prime of life, the prime of health, 33 years old. You think, well, he has so much more to live and so much longer to live and to give and to serve. But his time was 33 years. And none of us know how long we have. Maybe 33 years, maybe 63 years, maybe 83 years. You may live to be 100, but there'll come a day of reckoning that each person has to deal with it. And that's what the Lord provides for us. So in conclusion today, let us remember that Christ volunteered to be born and to be born in humility and poverty, all because of us. And he volunteered to serve the father day in and day out from morning until night. He volunteered to do it and he volunteered to do it all the way until the work was finished. And then he volunteered to die at such a young, tender age, and not to just die a death where somebody shoots you with a bullet, but a long, slow, agonizing death of crucifixion. That showed his love. First, he chose to be born in a manger. That boggles the mind. Then he chose to die this kind of death, the agonizing kind. And he did it because he loved us so much. So I can ask ourselves this morning, with such a Savior like this who was willing to volunteer to be born and to serve and to die Shouldn't we be willing to volunteer to sign up to be his recruits, to be in the Lord's army and to go forth this Christmas season telling others about the joy that we have in him, that he saved us from our sins. He didn't stop at the manger. He grew up. He went to the cross and it didn't end there. Then he was in the tomb and it didn't end there. He rose again. And where is Jesus now? Seated at the right hand of God on high. Let us rejoice this morning that we have such a great Savior. We can say with the hymn writer, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Shall we just close our eyes in prayer now and ask the Lord to conclude our day together and bless us together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your Son. We thank you for the Lord Jesus, who is the great volunteer, who is willing to come down from the glories of heaven. It would have been so easy for him to just stay there 
And it would have been righteous for him to do so because we didn't deserve salvation, Lord. We deserve to go to hell. But he couldn't sit there in heaven and watch us perish. And we thank you that he was willing. And when your question came, whom shall I send and who will go for us? The answer was clear. The enthusiastic and joyful. Here I am, send me. And Lord, we just thank you, Lord Jesus, for being that servant who went all the way to the cross and died for us. Help us to be your servants, Lord. Help us to carry the message. Help us to serve you, Lord, with all the strength you've given us until you come or until you call us home through death. And we thank you, Lord, for all those who are here who are saved and are ready to go to heaven. And we pray for those who aren't saved that they won't leave the doors, Lord, without making peace with you and accepting you as their Lord and Savior. And we just pray for that. We commit the day now to you and thank you for all your love that made all this possible. We thank you for Christmas and we thank you for you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen.